Well, good morning. We're so glad that you are with us today. I want to thank our decor team who came in after Thanksgiving and set up all of our Christmas trees. And set up the lobby and those transitions from Thanksgiving to Christmas are always fun. They seem to happen really quick. I saw a little meme. It was somebody had their pug dog and he had a little turkey outfit on. It said November 24th and November 25th. It had the pug dog with a Christmas outfit on. <laughs> so those transitions between the holidays are... Uh, can be a lot of fun, so but uh, we appreciate our decor team, and uh, we're glad you're here as well. We hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Um, today we're finishing up our series on parenthood. Uh, Pastor Dan kicked our series off at the beginning of the month um, by looking at um, the priority of parents, um, looked at the importance of raising kids up, uh, just worth a, an identity in Christ. And so there are so many things that compete um, for our children and for their identities. And so we started this series off by looking at a parent's priority. We looked at how to um, discipline um, our kids. And I really enjoyed this series. I wish I had had that discipline series uh, when I was younger. My, my uh, kids and I have had some fun talking about that uh, when they were growing up. We talked about how to discipline our kids. Um, and then last week we looked at um, uh, how to talk to our kids, how to encourage them, to speak words of encouragement, um, how to invest in them that way. And uh, today we're going to look at um, coaching our kids to greatness. And so how do we train and invest in our kids um, so that they can become all that God would have for them as they grow and mature uh, in their faith and as adults. And so uh, I'm looking forward to uh, our time together this morning. I hope you are um, as well. Uh, my kids came together for Thanksgiving. We actually had a blast um, last weekend, so this is a picture of my girls, and so I've got four daughters and uh, my wife, and so we were sitting around the table on Thanksgiving, and so I was talking to the girls about getting ready to teach on coaching your kids to greatness, and so I asked the question, um, say, what are some of the memories that you have of me as a dad uh, when you were growing up as a child? So what were some of the memories you had? And so they all looked at each other and got real quiet, and uh, one of them said, well, you can tell the story about when you spanked me with a Barbie. <laughs> I said, no, 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 that's not the stories I'm looking for. And all of a sudden, the stories just started coming out. I was like, no, you guys are missing it. I need a good, I need a good story. <laughs> so it was four, four ladies and my wife. There was five women in my house and me. And so I got teamed up against. And so uh, we had a good conversation. It was just a blast uh, being together with the kids. And, and my oldest had brought this big tree trunk down. And so she wanted to know if I would help her cut it chop some wood. So there's a picture of Katie and I out there chopping wood. And so uh, I said, yes, I can train you on how to chop wood. So now I've got an illustration that works. I invested in the life of my child. I taught her how to cut wood. And uh, she's swinging that axe. And then she said, hey, when I get home, I'm going to go buy myself an axe. And I was like, uh, come back for some more training. It is uh, fun having uh, children. I, it's been a joy for me just to be a parent. Um, I've got some great childhood memories uh, growing up as a child. Not everyone has uh, favorable, you know, fond memories of being uh, raised by their parents. And so if that's where you're at this morning, I pray that God would uh, just choose this day that you can be blessed uh, from this day moving forward. So I know parenting it can be a difficult topic to talk to, especially if you've uh, lost a child or you've tried to have children. And so people are all different places, and so we want to we want to recognize that. And I just pray that you would be blessed um, by our time together this morning, regardless of whether you're single, married, uh, whether you have kids or no kids, uh, regardless of where you are uh, in life in that area. 
Uh, There is something that we all have in common this morning, and that is that we have parents. And so every one of us has had a parent or has a parent. Uh, My mom went to be with the uh, Lord a year and a half ago, and so I miss her, but I've got great memories of just her investment in my life. And so we all have had parents. So this morning we're going to look at training our kids uh, just as to greatness. And, and so I want to encourage you, um, as we go through our time together this morning, if you have kids, there's some things that you're going to be able to apply um, immediately to your parenting style, to your relationship with your kids. Um, if you don't have children this morning, then I want to encourage you to take the lessons and the principles that, that we're going to be looking at um, this morning and then apply them to your own life. You know, How do those relate to how your parents invested in you? What was your relationship like with your parents? What are some of the lessons that you learned? And what are some of those lessons compared to what we're going to look at in Scripture? And how do you apply those to your life um, today? So regardless of where you are uh, this morning, um, we're going to look at a passage from Proverbs chapter 22, um, verse 6. And uh, this passage can be broken down into three uh, main action steps. Uh, Proverbs 22, 6 says this. We're to train up a child. In the way that he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So there's three main actions uh, that we can draw from from this passage. And the first one is there's a command right there at the beginning. Right there at the beginning of that passage, it says you are to train up your children. And before we look at this in uh, any detail, I want to invite you to, uh, to stand up with me for a moment. Everybody stand up. So that was a command to stand up. And you're going to be standing for a little bit. So, um, so don't be in a hurry to sit down. You're all standing up. So there's strength in numbers. So if you sit down by yourself right now, it's going to be kind of awkward because you'll be the only one standing up. But you know what? The command to train up a child is just that. It's a command. Like I told you to stand up. So you stood up. And so now what would it be like if I said, okay, now go out and train your children? What did that look like for you from a parenting perspective? And we all respond differently to commands. For example, right now, I told you to stand up. And the first thing that went through some people's minds is, oh, really? All right. So now what? And so there's sometimes our attitudes are like we don't want to do what we're being told. So sometimes it's like there's a sense of indifference. Okay, I will. When are we going to get to sit down? Have you ever talked to kids that have that kind of an attitude? When you tell them to do something like, oh, really? How long do I have to do this? You know, and so how we respond to commands uh, is really kind of an attitude. And it's an attitude on behalf of the kids, and it's an attitude on behalf of the parents. And because, because how we ask or how we tell our kids to do something has an impact on that uh, relationship. And so I asked you to stand, and I said, let's all stand. And so you probably felt pretty good about that. If I had just told you to stand and come across a little bit more firm, we probably would have had a little bit more of a conversation about what I wanted you to do, right? But you can sit down now. So now you can sit down. And so how we respond to commands is as much an issue from a parenting perspective as it is from a child's perspective. You know, when, when, uh, when this passage says you are to train up a child, it doesn't say, hey, in your spare time. It doesn't say, hey, this is a good thing for you to do. It is an imperative. And an imperative word is something that communicates um, urgency. It's communicates the intensity of something that you're supposed to be doing. It's imperative that you train up 
your children. And so it is a command as parents that we invest in and train up our kids. And so that's something that every parent is supposed to to be doing. They're supposed to be investing in and training their children. That is a parental responsibility that can't be passed to anybody else. Um, It is a responsibility that parents have with regard to their children. And our attitudes were reflected in how we responded to our parents when they gave us a command and then how our children respond to us as we tell them what to do. And so there's a lot of attitude that needs to be evaluated in this command. How did you respond when your parents told you to do something? How do you, how do you uh, expect your children to respond when you tell them to do something? So this, this idea of training up your children is a responsibility. It is something that we have to take um, seriously. And so a parent's responsibility is to do the training. What is the responsibility of the children? To do what they're told, right? Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, Paul writes this. Specifically to children, he outlines the role of husbands and he outlines the role of wives. And they says, for children, you are to obey your parents. They have the responsibility for training you and you have the responsibility to be obedient, to do what they've told you to do. For this is right. And so we are obedient to what our parents ask us to do because it's the right thing to do. And we expect our children to do what we've told them to do because we have their best interest in mind. It's the right thing for them to do. He goes on to say that we're to honor our father and mother. This is the first and greatest commandment with a promise. So when you read through the Old Testament, when you look at the Ten Commandments, there's the command, command. This is the fifth commandment, and it's the first one that comes with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, it's going to go well with you that you may live a long, prosperous life in the land that God's going to give you. And so parents have the responsibility for training and children have the responsibility to obey. It is a parental responsibility. Moms and dads both have the responsibility for training up their kids. You know, it's interesting because I grew up in a house and I think even as I grew up, you know, my mom uh, took care of most of the discipline and most of the training in my house. My dad worked and so he would come home late. And so uh, my mom sometimes, uh, my mom never said, uh, wait till your father gets home. My mom always took care of it right then and there. <laughs> and so I think uh, in our household, I always thought that discipline and instructing our kids was my wife's responsibility, Carolyn, and I just went to work and made money and provided for the family. But that's not a biblical view of what parenting looks like. Parenting is a husband and a wife or a mom and a dad um, in communication and in agreement with how they're going to raise their kids. Parents have to be on the same page when it comes to instructing their kids because if you're not on the same page, kids will divide and conquer. You know what I'm talking about? My kids would come to me and say, hey, can I do this? And I'd say, sure. Well, I didn't know that Carolyn already said no. Or they would go vice versa. And so it took me a little while, and Carolyn a little while. It's probably, we're probably five, six years into this parenting thing when we realized that our kids were pitting each other, <laughs> pitting us against each other. And so we got really good. To, my, my response was not go, not go talk to your mom. And then she would be like, well, go talk to your dad. And so I was like, ah, oh, mom, mom, dad. And so parents have to be on the same page 
with regard to how we instruct and train our children. So it's important for you as parents um, to talk with each other about the training you're going to provide to your kids. You have to be on the same page so that you can present a united front. And as important as it is for the mom and dad uh, to be investing in their kids, I just want to speak to the men for a second because Paul goes on to say in Ephesians uh, chapter 6 verse 4, he says this. He says, specifically to the fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. You see, it is the father's responsibility to make sure that this is happening. Moms and dads have to be on the same page with regard to parenting their children. But dads, it is your responsibility to make sure that kids are being disciplined and being instructed in the Lord. So that is a God-given responsibility that we have as fathers as well as to be specific about training and instructing them in the ways of the Lord. Not to say that one parent is more important to the other. You need both. And I tell you, I know some single moms and and uh, man, my heart goes out to single moms and we have our ministry. We will support single moms. And so we'll pay extra special attention to our single moms because parenting is just hard. It's difficult. This dingle is really difficult for any single parent um, to parent, you know, moms or dads. And so we have some single parent dads as well. And so it takes both um, to train up a children. Uh, but I tell you, for dads, it is really important that we take that role seriously. That's a God-given role. Genesis chapter 2, um, we see God makes the heavens and the earth, and so you have the creation order. And on the sixth day, he makes the livestock, the creatures, and then he makes man, and then he makes woman. And in chapter 3, it kind of breaks that out in detail a little bit. But specifically, um, God raised Adam up out of the dust, and he breathed his spirit into him. And then he put him in the garden um, to take care of it. So God is a part of this created order, creates man, puts him in the garden, and then says, don't eat from the tree of life, from the tree of knowledge of, of good and evil. And so God told Adam not to eat the fruit. And so then Adam goes through and he names all the animals. And then God says, it's not good for man to be alone. And so he creates woman. Uh, to be a helper for man, and then they're both in the garden, and they both got the responsibility to not eat that uh, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God told Adam not to eat the fruit. Interestingly enough about that, not eating from the tree, he did not tell Eve. He told Adam. It was Adam's responsibility to make sure that his family stayed away from that tree. But sure enough, as you go into chapter 3, Satan shows up, and who does he go to tempt? He goes after to tempt the woman. And so he tempts the woman into eating from the tree, and then she gives it to her husband, who then in turn eats. And so what happens is God shows up and says, Oh my gosh, what have you done? And Adam goes, This woman (laughs) that you gave me, she tempted me. And then he looked over at her, and this serpent, he tempted me. And so they just start passing the blame right down the road until finally God says, You know what? Cursed is the ground because you didn't listen to me. And so you're going to have to, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to have to till the ground. And in in childbirth, you're going to experience pain. And so we have this fall. Sin enters into the world because of the disobedience of Adam and Eve. But it all goes back to the fact that Adam did not take his responsibility for making sure that his family did not eat from that tree. It's, It's a husband's responsibility. It's a father's responsibility to make sure that Those kids are disciplined in the instruction of the Lord. And we have to take that responsibility seriously. 
It takes two parents. It takes a mom and a dad to raise a kid. And, and children are to obey their parents. But Paul takes that one step further and says, Dads, discipline your kids and instruct them, train them in the way of the Lord. And that leads us to the second instruction that leads us to the second action. Proverbs 22 says we're to train up a child. That's a command. And then he sets the direction. Train them up how? Train them up based on your experience, based on training them up on what you're reading. Dr. Spock, my mom read a book called Dr. Spock, and so she gave me that book when we had kids, and so I was reading the book trying to figure out how to raise kids. There's no instruction manual on reading kids. Does anybody know that? So you've got to figure a lot of this out on your own. But that's where the Bible comes into play. This is a great instruction book. Because it says in Proverbs, we're to train up a child not in the most modern-day attempts at trying to raise kids, but we're to train up our kids in the way that they should go. In the way they should go. And there's a specific way that is in mind here. It's not in any way. It's not in your way or my experience or experience or my parents' experience or my wife's experience. There is a way, a singular way that a parent is supposed to train their kids up so that they can walk in that direction. There's a singular way. You know, there's a couple of different ways that this verse gets um, translated. And so in Proverbs 22 and verse 6, depending upon what version of the Bible you use, um, we use the ESV here at Springbrook. I think the NIV translates um, uh, in the way they should go as well. But there's a couple of different translations that would have maybe a different meaning. I know that one of the translations that, that you might have, I don't know, says that you are supposed to teach your kids in a manner that is consistent um, with their age. And so, for example, we have, um, we have our kids' city ministry back there. If you've got children, um, they're in the back, and uh, we're taking good care of them. They're being loved on. We've got a nursery uh, that's holding those infants and praying for them and talking to them and just loving on those babies. And so uh, they're learning about God in an age-appropriate way. And so they're just being loved on. And then we've got uh, our infants and toddlers, and they're running around in the rooms, and, and they might be coloring. They've got some teachers that are you know, praying for them and encouraging them, and they might be coloring. They might be coloring something about God or about Jesus or a cross, and so they're going to be learning about God in an age-appropriate way. And we've got our first through fifth graders, and there's a teacher in there. They break up into small groups, and we're going to invest in those kids um, so that they come out of that classroom excited and learning about something about God. It's really neat for me um, to be able to watch um, kids come out at Children's Ministry. They've always got to craft something fun that they've learned. They've had fun. They've learned something about God. And that just makes my heart feel good because we are loving on those kids and they are learning about God. And then Pastor Matt's got junior high and senior high back there. And they're learning about God in an age-appropriate way as well. So Pastor Matt's teaching them. He's using illustrations that are going to connect with them. And he's being really intentional about teaching our students in a way that they can learn about God. And then you're in here. And so you're adults. And so you're in this main service and you're learning about God this morning as we evaluate Scripture and learn and encourage one another together. And so there's some that would translate this passage to mean train up, a children, train up your children in a manner that's consistent with their age. And while that sounds like it would be a good thing to do, and it is, it's a good thing to true, that misses the mark of what this passage is talking about. It's talking specifically about a way to train your children. So there's many ways out there that you can do it. But 
this passage is pointing to a specific way that we should train our kids up so that they can go, so that they should go in it. And so there's a specific way, a singular way, and it's God's way. And it's contrasted with Proverbs 19 and verse 3. It says this, When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. You know, it's an interesting thing about the Hebrew language. It's, uh, it's made up uh, originally of consonants, and it's got some vowel pointing with it. And so when you're reading uh, Hebrew, um, it really points to imagery. It's not a word-for-word translation. And so there's an image that comes to mind when you look at the word way. And so uh, when you construct this passage based on the words that go before it and after it, the translation piece of this can only be fully understood after you looked at the word type, the vowel pointing, and the construction around the rest of the sentence. And what's interesting about this is the way translated here, it's the exact same word that's translated back in our passage back in Proverbs 22. There is a way. When a man's folly brings his way, something very specific, when it, when it brings him to ruin, it's because his heart was raging against the Lord. And so there's God's way, and then there's man's way. And so when Proverbs talks about training kids up in a way that they should go, it's talking specifically about God's way of raising kids. There's a standard that's set forth for us in that passage in Proverbs 22 that we can't miss. There's, there's a correct way to raise up your kids, and there's a way that's not correct to raise up your kids. The correct way to raise up your kids is in the instruction of the Lord, and it points us to what we know about Scripture. You know, it's a man's heart that brings his way to ruin. Uh, it, it rages against the Lord. But if you're going to do things your way instead of God's way, it's because your heart is set against the Lord. And so when you think about the way, about the different ways that we can raise kids, um, some of them uh, might make some sense. But if they're not God's way, then we're going to have a problem. In fact, in the next verse in Proverbs, it actually says this. There's ways that might seem right to man, but in the end, they're going to lead to death. And so what that passage is pointing us to is that there's ways that make sense. They appear to be good. Um, There might be some intrinsic good things in them, but if they're not God's way, then then they're going to lead to death. And so there's ways that seem right to man, but in the end... They're not any good. So we've got to keep focused on what God's way is. There's a correct way to raise our kids. It's, it's God's way. It's an instructing them in God's word and how to apply that to our lives. And so we have to focus on biblical principles when we're raising our kids. And this is the point that Jethro tries to make to Moses. There's a, Moses is led the people out of uh, Egypt and they're, uh, they're freed from their captivity. And they're, they're, uh, Moses is, the people are now coming to Moses whenever there's a problem. And so Moses is just, he's overwhelmed. I mean, instead of, there's like hundreds of people coming to him with problems. And so Jethro uh, looks, his father-in-law looks at that situation and says, man, that is, that is the wrong way for you to be managing these problems. You need to appoint other people to take care of the smaller problems, and then you need to step back and take care of the bigger problems. And he says this in Exodus, in chapter 18. He said, you need to focus on warning people about the statutes and the laws and make known to them what? The way in which they must walk and what they must do. 
And the way that Moses is supposed to be instructing them in the way that they must walk and the way that they must do is the exact same way that parents are supposed to be instructing their kids. And so you're supposed to be training your kids about the statutes and the law in a way that they will start to walk and do what they should be doing. Does that make sense? It's not about how you learn to raise kids. It's not about your opinion versus your spouse's opinion versus how your mom and dad did it versus what the latest book on raising kids says. There is a way to properly raise your kids in a way that they should go, and those ways are based on God's Word. That's the same example that Jethro gives to Moses, and that's the same example that applies to us today as parents. In John 14:6, when he talks about the way, there's a singular way. There's a singular way to raise your kids. There's a singular way for us to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. There's a singular way, and that's God's way. That's what Jesus points out to the disciples in John 14, 6. You know, the disciples are trying to figure out where Jesus is going, how we're going to get there. Jesus says to them, look, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so there's a way to raise our kids up with the instruction of the Lord, how they apply that to life. There's a way for us to get to our Father in heaven. And so God's way is always juxtaposed or set apart to our ways. And so it's not about being good. It's about having a relationship with Christ. It's not about reading a book. It's about instructing our kids on what Scripture has to say. And so there's a singular way that God has for us to be able to enjoy the fullness of a relationship with himself. And as a parent, I can't think of any single more important decision than helping our kids to understand how to have a relationship with Christ. That's a biblical instruction and so when we talk to our kids about, you know, where you're going to go to school, how are you doing with your grades, one of the questions that we should be asking our kids is, how should you walk with Christ? Now, that's something that a parent should be talking to and encouraging their kids in. What are you reading? What are you filling your mind with? How are you growing in your faith? How can I encourage you and instruct you in this way that you should be going And so if you've got kids, you should be concerned about their relationship with Christ. As a church, I know that we are. You know, our children's ministry is helping kids to understand that God loves them unconditionally. Our children's ministry is helping them to understand that they they need a relationship with Christ. And so we have kids making faith commitments all throughout the year. Um, Matt is concerned about our students, our junior high, our senior high kids. He's concerned that they understand their identity in Christ and how to have a relationship with Christ. And we're concerned about that with our adults. You know, we are constantly asking people that if if you have questions about how to have a relationship with Christ, this is the place. We're glad you're here. Because if you're a parent and you don't have a relationship with Christ or you can't explain that to your kids, then how are they going to be instructed in the way that they should walk when it comes to matters of faith? And so we're concerned about our adults. We want to make sure people understand how to have a relationship with Christ and how to walk in a way that's worthy of the calling that God's given us. There's no more important question that a parent should ask of their kids than where they are with Christ. And that same question applies to us as adults as well. So we want to help families to grow in their love and their knowledge of the ways of the Lord. That's what our ministry is about. It's a holistic approach to reaching 
families. And if you don't have kids, the next logical question is, is, well, what did you learn from your parents? And do your parents have a relationship with Christ? Do you and are you helping your parents to understand their need for a relationship with Christ? When I became a believer, um, I was the, my sister had made a faith commitment along the way, but I was the first one in our family to, to really draw a line and say, hey, I have a relationship with Christ. And as a result, I was able to start talking to my parents about my relationship with Christ. And after a number of years, um, both my mom and my dad, I ended up making faith commitments. And so it actually worked in reverse, worked the other way. God can use you regardless of what side of the fence you're on. So whether you have kids or not, you should be concerned about where the people are around you with regard to where they are with their relationship with Christ. But it's specifically with regard to parenting. Our kids have got to be raised to understand this truth. There is a way that we need to raise our kids. And parents have a responsibility to ensure that's happening. And dads, it's your responsibility to oversee that entire process. So if you've got questions about that, we can help you. Um, That's what this ministry exists for. We want to help people to be able to grow in their knowledge and their love uh, of God. In uh, 2 Timothy uh, 3.16, says this about Scripture. All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's profitable for what? For instructing and for teaching kids and ourselves. It's, It's profitable for teaching, for reproof for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so training our kids is about teaching them how to read and handle and what to do with Scripture. This book is life-transforming. This is God's Word. It's how He speaks to us. We talk to Him through prayer, and we listen to Him through His Word, and it will change your life, and it will change the life of your kids. And so we've got kids' Bibles. If you've got small children, we've got some kids' Bibles um, that you can pick up. We have a book stand out there. We've got kids' Bibles. We have teen Bibles. We've got adult Bibles. We've got couple of Bibles. We've got Bibles for every possible combination you can think of. And so we want to encourage you to make sure that you are in God's Word because this is the foundation for which we are able to um, carry out that promise. You can't instruct your kids in the way they should go um, without Scripture. And so it is, uh, it's paramount, it's a priority that we, we be in this and we teach this um, to our kids. The third action point that we saw from Proverbs 22.6 is that uh, we train up our children in the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not depart from it. And so I think you know, the idea here is, is not that if you train your kids up when they're five and six, um, when they turn 70, they'll still be walking with Christ. And so the idea is not that you're planting seeds now for when they're 70 or 80, um, or Lord willing, whatever that number is. Um, but the idea is, is that if you train your kids up in the way they should go, as they get older, they will not depart from what they've learned. And so the seeds that you're planting in the life of children will carry them through into adolescence. Those seeds that you continue to plant in their adolescent years will carry them into young adulthood, carry them into junior high and high school. Those seeds that have been planted will carry them in through college and into adulthood. And so if there's no seeds planted at an early age, you have to back up and you have to start planting seeds first. And so I had to have seeds seeds planted at the age of 33. So I had a couple seeds back there, but I needed a whole lot of seeds when I got to 33. So we're all at different places on our journey. 
Uh, but the point is, is that we're all on a journey. And it's God's word that is what we're to be rooted in. And that's where the seeds are that help us to be able to grow. And so if you train up your children in the way they should go, then they will take that with them as they grow older through adulthood. Does that make sense? And so that's the, that's the, that's the calling for parents. That's our responsibility, to train our kids up in the way they should go. And sometimes I need, we need to speak truth. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I know your friends are doing this, but this is what you need to do. <laughs> I know there's ways that seem right to man, but at the end we know they're going to lead to death. And so my responsibility is to constantly be pointing my kids and my family and the people around me to, to what God says about the way that we should be going. And then as a result of that, as we grow, it's something that will carry with us as we mature in age. Now, I was, had an opportunity to take one of my um, daughters to the uh, airport this morning, and so it was an early drive. And so uh, we got in the car, and it was, it was really early. And so I'm the talker in my family, so I usually I wake up, and I'm ready for conversation. And then I pass out, and I, I think I talk in my sleep, too. I don't know. So I get in the car, and she's kind of quiet. It was really early, so she had to be at the airport. Uh, we had to leave. It was before 3 o'clock. So we get in the car, and um, so she's kind of quiet over there. So we get into the so. After a couple of minutes, I said, so tell me about your trip. So we started talking. Anyway, then she starts engaging in conversation. And so I said to her, I said, hey, uh, um, I'm going to use that story, by the way, of spanking you with the Barbie. So you, you forgave me for that, right? <laughs> she said, yeah, it was just something. I was... She said, you know what? She said, one of the lessons that you um, taught me uh, growing up was the importance of forgiveness. You know, she said, every time you made a mistake, it seemed like you recognized it and you always asked for forgiveness. She said, that's something that I, that I learned from you that I appreciate. I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> One. <laughs> so I flushed that out a little bit more and she said, uh, you know, she said, I also appreciate um, just your love for, for people and people that are different than you. She said, you know, I've always got a sense that um, you saw people from God's perspective. And she said, you know, I've grown up with my friends. And she said, there's, there's racial biases. And she said, you know, we live in a world that, you know, I see, I see racial biases. And she said, our, our family's never experienced that. And so it's, it's kind of foreign to us. We recognize that it's there and we know it's an issue. But she said, I've always appreciated, you know, your love for people that were different and for different cultures. And uh, I was like, wow, so I've got to write this down. And so, um, and then she talked about prayer. She said, you know, well, I used to pray for our kids. We'd send them off, um, you know, to school. And we, we talked about homeschooling and, and uh, I think the kids wanted that. But there was always a sense of, you know, God's got a purpose for you out there. And so I always felt like, and Carolyn did too, that when we sent our kids to public school, that we were sending them into a messed up world, right? And so we always prayed for our kids every morning. We never let them leave the house until they... Uh, so we prayed with them, even if they were they were late for the bus, and you know we, we we had to take them. But we really felt like praying with our kids um, before they went to school was something that was really important. So we prayed that God would protect them, and that God would use them to influence their friends and not be influenced by their friends. I thought, man, that'd be a great prayer. You know, I pray that that I've got four girls that that their identity would not be you know influenced by what the culture would have them think about themselves. Um, I prayed that when they engaged in those conversations with their friends, that they would be able to um, engage in conversation and influence them uh, from a biblical worldview, not a cultural uh, worldview. And uh, it was really interesting to listen to my daughter 
you know, talk about how she appreciated, you know, the, the prayer that Carolyn and I uh, had invested in them. It was like, there's three. Okay, I'm good. But it was really neat because, you know, those things that you're not sure make a difference in the life of a child, I'm telling you, they make a difference. And so when you go uh, and you put your kids in bed at night and you pray with them, um, that is going to make a difference. When you sit down at the dinner table together and you pray and you give thanks, um, that's going to make a difference. And the things that you're doing to point your kids to the Lord um, are going to make a difference. And when they get older, as they get older, they will not depart from it. And so that's a promise that God makes. You know, um, God promises that to us. And I also recognize that, you know, we have free will. And so we're, we're not puppets. God has uh, created us and prepared us uh, for the works that he has in advance for us to do. And so there's a part of God's plan that's working itself out. Um, but we also have the ability to make choices. And so we can choose. And sometimes our kids don't always choose what we would choose for them. I know I didn't do that um, with my mom and dad. And so I know that uh, my mom spent several uh, nights, days, and weeks just kind of laboring over decisions I've made. And I know that as a parent, um, I labor over decisions that my kids have to make. And so our kids don't always make the right decisions, but it's not about perfect parenting. And it's not about being a perfect child. It's about focusing on what we should be doing, recognizing that there's a potential gap there. And that gap is okay because God's in control. And God's got a plan for each of us. In fact, in uh, Philippians 1.6, Paul says this. He's talking to believers in Philippi. He says, look, here's one thing I am sure about, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He's not going to bring it to completion tomorrow or Monday. And so the things that I've commanded my kids to do, you know, I'm hoping that they will be obedient to that. But there's one thing that Paul is sure of, that, that he who begins a good work in our kids, he's going to carry that on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And that's where I place my hope. And so if there's a gap in my life or in the life of my kids, I'm going to look to Scripture. I'm going to look to God. and I'm going to pray that God would close that gap. You know, we are on a spiritual journey. We are moving towards Christ-likeness. There's nobody in here that's perfect. We're moving towards Christ-likeness. And it's a journey. It's a journey that God begins and a journey that God will bring it to completion in his time and in his way, the day of Jesus Christ. That's a promise that Paul gives us in Philippians 1.6. In 2 Thessalonians in chapter 1, he writes this. So to it's this end that I'm praying for you. I pray that God may make you worthy of the call that God has given you and that he may fulfill every resolve for good and for every work of faith by his power. And so God has begun a good work in you. He's going to bring that on to completion. And Paul's praying here that we would be worthy of this calling that God has placed in our life and that he would fill that gap, that he would fulfill every resolve for good. Everything that happens is for God's glory and for his good. And, and that's what Paul's praying for in this, that, that these things that are happening in our lives would be resolved for good and that every good work of faith by his power would be realized so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. 
God's grace fills those gaps as we work towards Christ-likeness. And that is a great prayer for us and for our kids. And so if you've got children this morning, this is a great prayer for you to pray for your kids. The Philippians 1 passage and the Second Thessalonians passage are two great verses for us to be praying for our kids and then for each other as well. And so if you don't have kids, you can claim these promises for yourself, that God has begun this good work in you is going to carry it on to completion, that God is going to purpose for you the things that are going on in your life, that he would make you worthy of the calling that he has given you. And so you can personalize this as well. Single, married, kids, no kids, no, wherever you are, this prayer is a great prayer for you to claim for yourself or to pray for your kids. And so this morning as we bring this um, part of our service to a close, I want to encourage you to take the next few moments just to spend some time in prayer. So I'm going to give you um, a minute or two, and we're going to just, we're going to pray just right where you're at. And so if you have kids, um, you can just read this. You can pray this for your kids this morning. And so you can pray this for your kids. Or you can pray that for yourself. If you're with your spouse, you guys can just kind of look at each other and purpose in your heart to pray for your kids this morning. Pray for each other this morning. And so we're going to spend some time in prayer. And then after about a minute, um, I'm going to come uh, bring us back together. And we're going to uh, close in prayer um, corporately. But take these next few moments to pray with your spouse. If you're by yourself, pray with yourself or for your kids. Um, whatever your station of life is, um, spend these next few moments. And let's just uh, let's make this passage um, our prayer together. And then I'll pull us back together. Father, I just want to thank you for this um, day you've given us today. And just thank you for this past uh, Thanksgiving celebration. We have so much to be thankful for. And I just thank you for the privilege of being a parent. And I I know that you love uh, my kids more than I do. I have to remind myself of that sometimes. And I just thank you for the love that you have for them and for me. Just thank you for each person here this morning. God, I just pray that you would continue um, to draw us into a closer relationship with yourself. God, uh, this passage for that Paul prays uh, for the uh, believers in Thessalonica, God, I just pray that for our congregation this morning, that we would have a sense of your leading as, as we grow and mature to the calling that you have for us, that our lives may um, be fulfilled in who we are in Christ and bring you glory. And uh, God, I just thank you for the blessing of children. Um, God, it is such a privilege to be a parent. It's also a lot of work. And uh, it's a painstaking work. Um, but I know that as I look at my own kids, I get a sense of the long suffering that you have for me and for us. And so, God, uh, I just pray that you will continue to help us to be able to train our kids up in the way that they should go. Um, God, so that they can be secure in who they are in Christ. And uh, for those without kids and for those that uh, 
um, you know, maybe have lost a child or they're just you know, going through a struggle personally, God, I pray you would meet them where they're at this morning. Um, God, do we know that your plans are not our plans, they're greater than ours. And so I just want to lift uh, each of us up this morning. We look forward to all that you have for us as we uh, continue through our day into next week, as we move towards the end of this year. And God, we know that you've got great things in store for us. And we commit all these things to you. Uh, for your glory in Christ's name. Amen.